Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scouts, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any program here on the network. We got all your teams covered and you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, I think this is going to be an interesting show. Let's shuffle up the 2019 playoff teams and rank them, not just overall team power rankings here, but position group by position group, quarterback through head coach. I think this is an interesting process to really get into these teams and see how you rank them. And you've got them all ranked out here, 1 through 12, with each position group. Yeah, and I teased this yesterday. Um, I'm glad it came to mind because I'd forgotten about it. It's something I do to be the week before the playoffs start every year. And I've ranked them all 1-12, to 12, every team in the playoffs. Quarterback, running back position. I combined wide receiver and tight end. O-line, D-line, and that was kind of the combination of D-tackles through edge, you know, basically guys that line up on the line of scrimmage. Linebackers, and I didn't count like three, four outside linebackers of that, that group. I'm talking about second-level defenders. Defensive backs. Special teams, and frankly, I stole that from Football Outsiders. I just took their rankings and put them down. And then coaching staffs, and most mostly the head guy. And experience has a lot to do with that. And my thoughts on these were not necessarily how great a year they had, just where these players are in their respective careers. And I did wait playoff experience a little bit. You know, like a guy like Ryan Tannehill might have got – dinged a little bit because he hasn't been around the block like Brady, you know, or, you know, something, some of those type of things, but I think you'll get the gist of it. And some of them are hard. I got to admit D line, the middle of the D line group, the middle of the linebackers group, I didn't feel real strong about, but came away with some pretty good, pretty cool impressions of it all. Yeah. Splitting hairs at some point with the middle, you know, with six versus seven with some of these groups, sure. but the top and the bottom, I think, are, are pretty clear with some of these, and I think it'll be an interesting process that we go through today here. And there's to- injuries, but I didn't want to look too much into injuries, and I'm not exactly sure who's all going to play, but, you know, I mean, uh, so that is somewhat of a factor, too. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's a snapshot of right now, too, because these teams might have looked a little bit different in week one than they do now, and they right. might look a little bit different in February, depending on who gets back and who uh, is currently healthy for these teams. And by the way, I apologize for my voice. Still trying to get over something, <laughs> coughing all night, can't sleep, but we're powering through here on Locked on NFL. So I guess the big one is quarterback, and this is the one where I have to give out your Twitter handle, at Williamson NFL, because this is the yep. one that's going to make some people mad and and they're going to come at you I think here but let's get into the quarterback rankings how do you see these 12 teams stacking up at quarterback and obviously this is the biggest one this is where the waves will hit and I will definitely get some feedback and Williamson you're crazy and I don't think you listen to this podcast to figure out that some of the best quarterbacks in the league or the best quarterbacks in the league take their team to the postseason so none of these teams in my opinion are necessarily bad at the spot the the top seven or eight are really the who's who of the quarterback position. And I went with Russell Wilson, number one. And my thought process was, I think he's the best player on the planet right now. I mean, just how they're playing right this minute. Yes, Tom Brady had a better career. 
Uh, Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, uh, and Mahomes won it a year ago. Mahomes has more talent. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. But I felt like Wilson is probably the quarterback I want to face least. What he's done with less talent around him, this is not the best Seahawks team, and they had a good year, 12-4, and four, um, competitive. You can't ever count them out. They're going to be in every game. They're going to win close games. So I, I honestly, I can't fight you on this one. I was a little bit surprised, but he's so important. And you take Russell Wilson out of the Seahawks, this team absolutely crumbles. Oh, they're like a five-win team to me. You know I mean? like, uh, And if they're going to, even against the Eagles, he's going to have to be awesome every step of the way for them to move on. And he might be, I mean, to me, again, he's the one I would play, want to play against the least just at that very, very important position. I think most people would then put Lamar at two. I went with Mahomes. I mean, uh, people seem to think he's having a down year. You haven't been watching closely then. I mean, if this was a year ago, Mahomes would clearly be one. I don't think he's lost the things since then. Again, really don't want to play against him. And then I put Lamar at three. And probably people are out there going, well, why wouldn't Brady be ahead of Lamar? I mean, just Lamar, I think, is a more dangerous player right now. The thought process behind this is interesting because there's been a lot of talk about, okay, who do you want the next five years, Mahomes or Lamar? And I think I would still lean toward Mahomes. Right now, I think I would probably still put Lamar today over both Wilson and and Mahomes just because of, and we talked about how important Russell Wilson is, and look, and I'm not going to argue with you on any of these three. I think they're the clear sure. top three right now. But just today, the way that Lamar is playing, that team is the one I don't want to face. They're a hard matchup. I would rather just take my chances and say, you know what, let's see if we can keep a safety back, not get burnt by Kansas City's speed and that arm because – Lamar Jackson is just too much of a problem right now. But but I cannot fight you on this because I, I understand your thought process here, and it makes a lot of sense. And some people are going to get mad at Lamar 3, but I think this is the clear top three. I think this is the group, and I can, I can buy an argument for those guys in any order right now with the way they're all playing. Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, those were the top three. Any order I would I could make a case for. Then there's a gap, and this is hard, crazy to say. I thought Drew Brees was next, but uh, he would be tier two. And he's Drew freaking Brees, and he's playing great. So I went with my next ones. I went Brees, Rodgers, and if anything, I felt like I over or maybe I have Rodgers too high. Just be, but I have just such love for his career that if he might just be the player of the, of the playoffs. I mean, just he just scares me still. But I don't think he had a particularly great year. Then I went Watson, then I went Brady. And I bet some people are saying you got to put Brady over Watson. And I went back and forth on that one. So maybe I should have had the three, quote, old guys together. I just think Brady has slipped. Brady has definitely slipped. Uh, playoff Brady, we'll see. I, I think I might agree with those folks and maybe put Brady over Watson here. But then you've still got to talk. And by the way, talking, to, I, I mentioned how good Lamar Jackson is playing right now, and some of the guys. Are the, Drew Brees is, is playing as good as anybody right now, too. So, yeah, he, uh, he had to be four, I think. So I think you nailed that one. After Brady, and I think it's pretty tight, actually, between Watson, Brady, uh, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Yeah, Garoppolo. Wentz is eight for me, and I almost yeah. put him over Brady, too. And those are tight, and, and you're kind of splitting hairs on how those guys are playing right now. I think Wentz 
similar to Russell Wilson elevating his team right now. Brady is just Brady. He just doesn't have, I think maybe it's the talent around him that's hurting him, even though I think when you look at his numbers and you look at how that offense is playing, uh, it might be one of the worst offenses right now in the playoffs. Yeah, oh, I 100% agree. I mean, I just don't think you can ignore how much that team's struggling and Brady has something to do with it and he no longer can just put them all on his back and, and elevate them from there. I love how Wentz is playing. It's amazing to me that I would have him at eight, but just shows you how good the quarterbacks are in this in the tournament right now. I, 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 I think I could have either put Wentz ahead of Brady and had Wentz and Watson right next to each other or had Brady over both of them. I almost feel like Watson and Wentz are kind of their own tier, young playmakers, semi-proven, on the rise, but some volatility there. And then I, I ended it with your boy Jimmy G at 9, Tannehill at 10, and I think a lot of people would have him at 12, but I don't think what he did this year is a fluke. I mean, I think he was, I mean, highly accurate, big plays, brought a lot to the table. So I edged him over Kirk Cousins, and then I had Allen last. And I don't dislike Allen, but unproven, not a great deep, not a good deep passer, and accuracy issues. So, I mean, if, if he's your last guy in the tournament, that's pretty darn good. I mean, it's a heck of a lot better than Duck Hodges or something like that. So, Allen, to me, was a pretty obvious 12, though. I think he was for me, too. And the Bills fans have, have really spent a lot of their energy this season fighting for some respect for Josh Allen. And so they're not going to like that. But this is a good group of quarterbacks. They're the playoff quarterbacks. Josh Allen's a playoff quarterback right now, so... The 12th best playoff quarterback is not a bad place to be. No, right, right. Um, so please give me some responses on that. I'm, sh I'm sure there's a lot of room for debate, of course. And these aren't set in stone to me by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, even Kirk Cousins, I have him at 11. There was a spot, a two-month stretch that he was playing, you know, top, seven or eight football. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he's yeah. a bum or anything. I just think that he can't, you know, take the team on his shoulders like a lot of the guys ahead of him on this list. I mean, what if Wentz was a Viking? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the rest of the uh, position groups here, and we'll go rapid fire on some of these and, and go through these quicker so we can get through all of them, including Coach Matt Williamson's playoff position group power rankings. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. For Brian Peacock, too, I might add. You can go to calm.com slash locked on to get 40% off Calm Premium Membership. LeBron James says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves like rain and leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash locked on that's calm.com slash locked on okay we don't have to go as deep with the rest of these position right. groups but we got to we got to touch on a lot of these let's go to running back here 
what was interesting with me with running back and uh, some analytic people will probably be clapping their hands is these aren't the best running backs in the league. <laughs> you know, like some of these running back groups or even the uh, the best ones in the playoffs are, go- are really good, but they're not. Wow, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. So I went with the Saints because I think Murray carries some weight. I think Kamara's best is to come. Then I went with the Vikes. I'm assuming health with Dalvin Cook. Derrick Henry led the league in rushing. I have them three. But, I mean, do I think he's a top three type running back? Not really. Um, Green Bay at four. Aaron Jones is very impressive to me. Um, San Fran at five. That's kind of a collection and it's system. And I don't feel super strong about that. I like Sanders quite a bit. So I have the Eagles at six. But they're ripped up with injuries. The Ravens at seven, that's another one that I think is very scheme-based. I'm kind of high on Singletary. He's eight, but, I mean, these running back groups aren't that great. Uh, The collection of Patriots at nine, Hyde and Duke, I mean, that's pretty not dynamic at 10. KC at 11, blah. And Seattle, I just don't trust Lynch yet, so I have them last. Yeah, Seattle's a tough one. I actually like Travis Homer a lot more than Lynch Sunday night. Uh, He looked like he had a little bit of juice at least, and – the interesting one here is Baltimore because their running game has been the best in the NFL this year. A lot of that is because of Lamar Jackson, but they've got some running backs and, and they can run. So it's hard sometimes to separate, okay, running game from just running backs. And then there's coach and their scheme. And then there's offensive line that play into all of these things. I might have Baltimore a little bit higher. It's hard to argue, though, mm-hmm. because, you know, the 49ers is a similar way. They don't have a headlining running back. I think it should be Raheem Mostert, even though he's still not starting over Tevin Coleman. But, you know, that scheme, that's offensive line. Uh, and then a collection of running backs, too. So it's an interesting group, and, and I can't argue too much. I'd probably put Baltimore a little bit higher, though. Yeah, I, I guess I I probably should. Uh, maybe they should go over Philly, um, you know, Howard and Sanders and a bunch of injured guys and whatnot. Uh, let's move on to receivers. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, receivers and tight ends together. Yeah, and it would be much different if I separated the two, but I just put them all into one. Kansas City at one, I think, speaks for itself. Tyreek, Kelsey, I really like Hardman, too. Um, New Orleans, Michael Thomas carries a ton of weight in this, but Cook's a pretty good player as well. If it was just tight ends, San Francisco would be a little higher, but they still come in at three. Uh, Debo's really breaking out, Sam and uh, Manny Sanders is really strong, too. So I think all three of those guys are really strong. Houston, um, I'm kind of assuming health with Fuller, which is risky, but Hopkins carried a lot of weight. Um, Seattle, uh, that's maybe a little high for them. Metcalf, Lockett, questionable tight ends. I mean, Hollister's fine. Uh, The Vikes at six. uh, Again, I'm kind of assuming we're going to get the real Adam Thielen, but maybe that's optimistic. Tennessee at seven. A lot of that's on A.J. Brown, but I also like Jonu Smith and Davis to some degree. Green Bay at eight. I mean, it's Devontae Adams who's great, and then a bunch of nobodies, in my opinion. Um, Baltimore at nine. A lot of that's on Andrews, but they don't have much depth, and I, I like Brown, but not the rest of them all that much. Um, Buffalo at 10. John Brown, and I mean, they're okay, but they're not great. The Eagles at 11. If this was tight ends, I would have the Eagles one because they have two. I mean, they have two great ones. But their receivers are 12, <laughs> so they got to be pretty low. And I have New England last. I mean, the worst tight end situation in the league. Maybe that's a little harsh because Edelman should carry some weight and Sanu's okay, but I'm not big on the Pats receivers. 
when I first thought of this position group, I was thinking, well, Philly's obviously going to be last. And I saw it there 11. And I was like, oh, who's below them? And I saw New England. I was like, oh, man, yeah. And you consider tight end with that group as well as banged yeah, up as Philly is. I think New England might be last. And, and those two teams are rough. And I think that's – I think those this position group right here is is the worst – is the worst situation for both those two teams and probably the reason why I don't believe in these two teams to be still playing football in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, Do you want to do O-line and then we'll take a break and knock out the defensive coach? Let's do it. Okay. Um, Some good O-lines. I mean, I don't think this is an accident. I mean, the quarterbacks and O-lines, these are amongst the best in the league, in my opinion. Saints at one. And the top was hard to decipher. The Eagles at two. Again, I'm I'm going to say Lane Johnson's healthy. I'm not sure if he will be or not. Baltimore at three. That's a really good group. It's more than just scheme. I really like that line a lot. The Packers at four, mostly based off their tackles. Your Niners at five. I thought there was a little bit of drop. I wasn't sure who to put at five. But, boy, they run block well when they're on their best. And Staley and good group of tackles as well. New England at six. Some of this is also reflects on coaching. Um, Buffalo at seven. Don't love their guards. KC at eight. They have some real good players and some holes. Um, the Vikings at nine. I think the arrow's pointing up here, but it's still kind of a learning process for them. Tennessee at 10. They'll mash you in the run game, but their protection's really questionable. Houston at 11. Maybe they should be a little higher with a healthy Tunsil. And Seattle at 12, and it's not awful. I mean, it's not as bad as it's been, but it's not a very good line. I'm with you here on uh, on a lot of these. Um, the 49ers group is a little bit banged up, but they've played so well yeah. together for a couple of years, and Staley's back, and he stonewalled Jadavian Clowney in their second meeting after Clowney crushed him the first time. So that was a very good sign for the 49ers as they head into the postseason. You mentioned how their wide receivers are starting to play really well now and, and the rookie Debo Samuel coming up. So the 49ers sort of peaking at the right time, even though they're dealing with injuries, but so many teams dealing with injuries. We saw the Seattle offensive line, which is basically like Russell Wilson at this point. It's like, I'm going to drop back. I know I'm going to get a pass rush, so I'm going to ditch the initial wave. Then I'm going to make a play happen. It's, it's amazing watching Russell Wilson behind that line. And maybe there's a reason why the running backs were getting killed, too, because nobody's getting blocked right. up front in Seattle. So uh, I, have, I have no problem with Seattle being last on that list. A Houston, even with Tunsil. Not doing a great job up front. I think the middle of pack here is pretty is pretty tight with a lot of these teams. And New Orleans, I mean, uh, looking at New Orleans and going through this list, they're top five in a lot of these. I mean, New Orleans is really good in a lot of position groups. Yeah, you're right. I'm sitting here looking, and the lowest they are in any position is seven. And there's a one, a one, a, you know, a couple twos, a lot of threes. I mean, it's pretty darn good. I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but they definitely win this exercise. Uh, speaking of what they're a seven at, that is the defensive line. Let's take a quick break here, come back, go defense, and look at the coaching staffs. Okay, defensive line and the whole defensive groups here. The 49ers lead this group on the D-line, and I can't argue with that at all. And good news for the Niners is I talked about them peaking at the right time. The buy is huge for them, getting D Ford back too. So now they've got their full starting four back in the divisional round of the playoffs, which means trouble for opposing quarterbacks in the NFC. 
Absolutely. And like I said to start the show, this is defensive linemen of all sorts. Some of them that stand up in a two-point stance all the way up to nose tackle types. Anyone that lines up on the line of scrimmage. So this would carry a lot of weight. I mean, this is a lot of um, – it's almost half your defense, really. So your Niners were an easy number one. Then I went with Green Bay. Clark and the two Smiths, really, really good. Uh, the Vikings, Daniel Hunter, I mean, it's quality defensive line there. The Eagles, Fletcher Cox had a ton of weight, of course. Um, Kansas City, Chris Jones is about as good as anyone on this list. And Frank Clark, so th- that's a nice group there. Houston, and I kind of went that J.J. Watt's going to be 90%. You know, I didn't know how to exactly put f- factor him in, but I wanted to give them some credit for J.J., the Saints are next, and that seems a little low for the Saints. I mean, that's their, their only seven grade, like we mentioned, considering, you know, Cameron Jordan's a defensive player of the year candidate. Good group. The Bills are eight, a nice collection and depth with their defensive front. The Titans are nine. I like the, I like the Titans front, especially the young Dunkster Simmons, Casey. Um, Seattle at 10. I like Jerron Reed. I like Clowney, but I just couldn't put him a whole heck of a lot higher than that. Baltimore at 11, and New England at 12. And those two are kind of similar in that I dinged them a little bit because they really just asked their 325-pounders to eat up space. So that hurt them a little bit for these ranks. But they fit the system, and both those defenses are built similarly. I'm seeing a correlation with NFL teams, obviously good quarterbacks. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the playoffs. There's a lot of really good defensive lines in the playoffs. We're going down to number nine here with Tennessee, and they've got a great defensive line. Even guys like Harold Landry coming off the edge in a two-point stance. So uh, stacked defensive lines are in the playoffs right now. Really good quarterbacks and really good coaches. And uh, I think we're seeing a correlation here with good teams and and those specific groups of of talent and draft defensive lineman. That's all I've got to say there. And it's really odd to see New England last on this list because they put assets there. They put, you know, they put draft picks. They they throw money at, at defensive backs and defensive linemen. Yeah, and much like my conversation with running backs, the linebackers were kind of blah. You know, like uh, there wasn't like, man, these awesome linebackers, and that's what the, took them to the, the postseason. So I'm with you. You know, if you, I've always been a believer in investing in defensive linemen. When in doubt, draft another defensive lineman. When in doubt, recruit another dude from that's you know can rush the passer. Right. But here's my linebackers: Vikings at one. I don't know if everyone realized how good Kendricks is, but he's been phenomenal. Seattle at two. We know those two guys have been stalwart since Legion of Boom. New Saints at three. Demario Davis is another player that people need to recognize that it's one of the best in the business. The Bills are four. Um, I'm sure people realize by now I'm smitten with Edmonds. I think Edmonds will be the best linebacker in the league before long. Um, the Patriots at five. Hightower and Collins, pretty darn good. Your Niners at six. The Titans at seven. Houston at eight. Green Bay at nine. Philly at 10. KC at 11. Baltimore at 12. And those last four or five aren't so great. I'm not going to argue there. Um, I think you'd be splitting hairs with some of these groups at yeah, linebacker, and I think it's not as – and maybe one of the least important position groups here on the list. I mean, I, I don't want right. to – you know, I don't want to crap on all the linebackers out there, but um, this, you don't is, need them. this is not the difference-making position group on this list. Right, right. Um, let's get into the buzz through these last three categories. 
I'm sure most people have the Patriots number one at defensive back. I went with the Ravens. I, I just think they have one more corner, you know, but boy, that was a close decision for me. So that's one and two. Saints at three, much underrated safety play, plus Lattimore's a really good player. Bills at four, great safeties, Tredavis White. Titans at five, there's some inconsistencies there, but I, I think Kevin Byard's probably the best safety in the league. I got KC at six. Their safeties, Matthew and Thornhill, they're playing much better. Their cover guys have been pretty good, too. Um, underrated group. Your Niners at seven which it's a pretty good secondary, and Sherman's having a great year, but I just think there's some really good ones on this list. Green Bay at eight, a lot of good young talent there, two new safeties. Uh, The Vikings at nine, uh, unfortunately their corners hurt them, but they have really good safeties. Uh, The Eagles at 10, bad corners, good safeties. Um, Houston at 11, Seattle at 12. I'm looking up right now because Juan Thornhill had an injury Sunday. I wasn't aware of that. And I think it might be a bad one. MR, okay, yeah. So he had his MRI today. Juan Thornhill done for the season. It's a torn ACL, so that definitely Hmm. hurts. That would bump them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that definitely hurts for Kansas City. And uh, and I really liked the way Thornhill was playing. Super athletic, free safety, allowed Matthew to freelance underneath. Um, So I might... Just because of that factor, you lose a starting free safety. That's big for your defensive backs group. I might bump a couple of teams up, maybe the 49ers, um, maybe Green, Green Bay, Bay over them yeah. because of that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a good note there. I'm, I'm in on that. But it's still a good group. Kansas City has definitely improved with their they do. defensive back play from last year, which might really help them down the stretch this season in the playoffs. All right, let's go special teams. Okay, this one. I had no thought into it. I just went to football outsiders, grabbed their DVOA from the final of the season, and just spit them right back out. So this is how they have overall special teams. Kansas City, New Orleans, Houston, Baltimore, New England, San Fran, Minnesota, Green Bay, Philly, Seattle at 10, Buffalo at 11, Tennessee at 12. And the really only note I have here is the top 11 were all pretty good, and Tennessee was near the bottom of the league. So they were the only ones that really stood out as bad. So just something to keep an eye on in the playoffs, you know, with the Titans. And if you don't like those rankings, go get mad at football outsiders and and leave Matt alone. (laughs) Right, right. I just stole them. You have plenty to get mad at Matt about with this list. Okay, let's move on to the final group here, which is the coaching staffs. This is hard, too. I mean, this was almost like quarterbacks. I mean, this is the who's who. I, I put a little bit more of playoff experience and winning in the postseason um, at stake here as well. Belichick at one, obviously. You're not going to fight me on that. After that, it got hairy, and I went with the Saints at two, the Seahawks at three, the Ravens at four, San Fran at five, Andy Reid and company at six, which I think is really low. I just like the staffs a lot in front of them. Um, Buffalo at seven. I think that's an extremely well-coached team, and I know they don't have the the pelts on the wall like some of those others, but I just think it's a really well-coached team. Uh, the Eagles at eight. I mean, they're not far removed from a Super Bowl. The Vikings at nine. Houston at 10. Tennessee at 11. Green Bay at 12. Basically because I just don't know for Green Bay. I mean, right, yeah. Smaller yeah. sample for LaFleur in Green Bay. 
And this is a tough group because you're talking about Kansas City at wins, six yeah. with Andy Reid, and you know Kyle Shanahan could be coach of the year candidate this year. Peterson was a former coach of the year candidate. Uh, that's uh, that top eight is is crazy. That's the best coaches in the NFL practically. So um, it's really hard to split hairs on some of these. And I think there this is the most obvious. There's a huge correlation. Quarterbacks, coaches, you're gonna have a good football team for a very long time. So looking at the the sum of the parts here. I don't know how you don't have New Orleans as the best team in the playoffs with, I mean, they're four, one, two, one, seven, three, three, two, two with their rankings here out of 12. I mean, that's crazy. That is crazy. And one quick coaching note. I mean, I had Kansas city six, but I'm sure some of you out there could tell could convince me that they're two. I mean, like, so yep. that group is really tightly wound. Um, what I used to do, Brian, is I used to add all these up and give them a cumulative score. But I decided not to do that because defensive line shouldn't count the same as linebackers. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's too much weight to these. Quarterback coach means too much, and I'm not the mathematician to weight them all properly. So I just did not add them all up. But you're right. I mean, clearly the Saints stand out as no weaknesses, a lot of strengths. Your Niners also are a team that never finished in the double digits and are pretty high across the board. Um, some other ones, you know, like Houston has a lot of double digit ends. Buffalo has some double digits, Tennessee, Philly. So, uh, interesting, a little fun. It's a fun thing we do every year though. Absolutely. And looking at a team like Baltimore has got some high, some low, and maybe, you know, there's some magic there ball and, uh, their quarterback helps the, helps the team play better than the, some of their parts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because Baltimore, their front seven graded very low for me, but their D-backs were one. Their pass catchers were pretty low, but their O-line and quarterback were really high. You know, So they make up for it well. How do you see these if you shuffle all the teams together? And did this change your opinion on how you see these teams going into the playoffs? Not really. Um, it, it, it really didn't. I mean, I do think it's noteworthy because as people that build teams do, you realize that even if I have a great back, that's not going to propel me to the postseason. Um, you know, that the categories that were really tough, like O-line, coach, uh, really, you know, tell you what wins in this league. And it's not like Kansas City at six with Andy Reid is going to lose because of their coach versus who's two, three, four and even one on this list. I mean, Belichick's kind of in his own stratosphere as, as far as a coach because he can scheme up and beat just about anybody. And I look at the 49ers, how you mentioned across the board really high. Their lowest grade was quarterback at nine. I'm, I'm personally not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers aren't going to lose because of their quarterback in the playoffs, in my opinion. Right, right. And he's not, you know, an elite guy, but he's a pretty darn good quarterback that most teams in the league would be awfully happy to have. And then back to Andy Reid real quick. I, I did take into account that he's not exactly the greatest game manager, timeout, clock management guy, too. And this, how much of the non-head coaches factored into this, defensive coordinators in the whole group? It certainly was a factor, and it helped Minnesota quite a bit, too, with their offensive coordinator. There you have as it. As well as Baltimore. Baltimore are two really good coordinators, too. I love it. This is a fun exercise. Coming into this thing, I had Baltimore 1, 49ers 2, New Orleans 3, Kansas City 4 as my top four teams. Those are my championship week teams. But, man, New Orleans, I can't shake seeing this, and I can't argue with how good they are across the board. And, then, by the way, the Saints were my team to win the Super Bowl coming into this. So 
Um, I, I almost feel like I want to stick with the Saints here, even though the Niners have, have have really come on strong and Baltimore has blown me away. Kansas City's going to be a tough team. This is it's going to be a fun group here. It's going to be a fun playoffs. That's that's my top four. Do you have a quick top four? Yeah, I definitely think the Ravens and Chiefs stand alone in the AFC. And I actually just did keep an eye on for this because I was a guest on Locked On Packers today. And I I've told you, know, I'm sure their fans didn't love this, but I thought the Saints and the Niners stood alone in the NFC. But Peter had a good conversation, too, about, boy, it's so big that if the Saints win – they got to go to Green Bay as yep. opposed to Green Bay going to or Green Bay going to New Orleans. And his point was, I bet the point spreads would be ten points different. You know what I mean? I mean, next week, think about the Packers coming to New Orleans off a bye. They're probably a seven point dog, maybe more, as opposed to this week or, or to a week from now, the Saints going to Green Bay and the Green Bay coming off a bye. They'll probably be a two or three point dog. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to that conversation because that is a fantastic point. New Orleans at 13 and 3 getting a just kind of a rough luck situation. They I mean, they could have <laughs> handled their business. They weren't able to beat the 49ers at home. That was one of the key matchups there. They're going to have to go on the road potentially to Green Bay. There's there's pro, that's probably the biggest flip of of home away matchups is New Orleans in Green Bay or Green Bay in New Orleans. That's Absolutely. that's huge. Absolutely. All right, we're out of time here, Matt. We will be back tomorrow. We've got a guest. We've got Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. So we'll check in on the the banged-up Seahawks and get some thoughts on how they look going into the postseason and their matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow right here, Locked On NFL.